0: number. Yeah, it is. It's the magic number. Okay, section three is a short one. Uh, it describes the lives of stars. Now it's important to remember the life cycle of a star because you will be tested on that one on the test that's coming up after the labs. Now one thing that's kind of weird about a star's life is how long that star lasts. You might think that large stars live longer than smaller ones, but that's not the case. Large stars burn through their fuel much faster than smaller ones. Medium-sized stars like our Sun last for about 10 billion years or so. The largest stars can burn through their fuel in only 10 million years. But smaller stars use their fuel so slowly that they can burn for 200 billion years. Now, it's kind of like cars. If you think about big SUVs, they have these big, huge gas tanks, but they burn through the fuel so quickly, they don't get very far on that big tank of gas. Now, on the other hand, a hybrid vehicle, which would have a small gas tank, would be able to drive much further because it uses the fuel much more slowly. Well, no matter what the size of the star, it's sure to begin its life forming in a large cloud of gas called a nebula. The gas in a nebula is pulled together by gravity and it eventually condenses and forms a dense ball of gas called a protostar. The protostar continues to condense and eventually, the pressure and heat at the protostar's core causes nuclear fusion to begin and the star is born. Now, nuclear fusion is this process where the nucleus of two hydrogen atoms will fuse together to make a helium atom. And that happens over and over, and two helium atoms will join together, and all of the elements eventually form in the core of the star that way. Now, as the star begins to run out of fuel, it begins to swell, and it will become a red giant if it's a small or medium-sized star, or it will become a red supergiant if it's like a blue giant star. Now, when red giants die, they shed their outer layers, and the gases go off into space, and it just leaves this hot core glowing without any fuel around it. This is now called a White Dwarf. And the White Dwarf will eventually run out of energy and it will stop glowing, and then it's considered a Black Dwarf. Now on the other hand, when a Red Supergiant dies, it's not quite as mellow a scene. The Red Supergiants go out with a bang. Stars with 10 to 20 times the mass of our Sun will explode in what's known as a Nova. And they will become a neutron star, which is a huge amount of mass compacted into a relatively small amount of volume. A neutron star spins really, really fast. Now larger stars will explode into what is known as a supernova, and black holes form as a result of these. The mass of a black hole is a hundred times the mass of our Sun, but it's compacted into this tiny, tiny little sphere having so much mass in such a small volume causes gravity to kind of go crazy. In fact, the gravity is so strong here that not even light can escape it, and that's where they get the term a black hole. Now, the largest stellar collapses in the universe result in an explosion called a hypernova. Now, stars with more than 100 times the mass of our Sun will create these monstrous explosions, and the result of these hypernovas It's a black hole that is so big, they call it a supermassive black hole. Now, that whole hypernova thing isn't in the book, so um, describing hypernovas on lab number seven will earn you some bonus points there. Now, you've got to describe how they come about and what they result in for the credit. Well, that's pretty much the section. So let's take a look at the uh, Enriched portion of the worksheet for Chapter 3, Section 3. It's a pretty easy one. Now one of the keys to success on this one is remembering that figure two in the worksheet is a diagram of a three-dimensional object. Think of it sort of like a tennis ball made out of fog, and inside the center of that tennis ball is a glowing pea suspended right there. You got that? Well, I guess if you do you get a pretty good imagination. But anyway, uh, once you've done the measurements for numbers one and two, think about how much gas each of the lines has to pass through now think about when you're looking through fog remember when you look through fog and you, and you see things that are up close you're not looking through very much of the fog so you don't see much fog but when you're looking at objects in the distance and you look through a lot of fog you don't see that object very clearly because the fog blocks your way I don't know if that helped but I think um, thinking about the whole fog scenario there with, with numbers uh, four and five might help you out a little bit well, good luck with that one, and tune in to the next podcast for hints on Section 4. And that's the magic number.